This is Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 7th of May, 2021. Although, based on the music, you would think it was sometime in 1977. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. And I'm Bruce McQuang. And uh, uh, you need to be a little louder there. There we go. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know... I used to laugh at uh, all of the you know, old people who used to say, yeah, things are a lot worse now than they used to be. You know, it was a lot different country when I was growing up. Everything was different and better. And I thought, you know, how can that possibly be true? We're living in the best of all possible times. I'm uh, not entirely sure I believe that anymore. They were right, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with obvious you know, problems in certain areas, but God, civilly, we, we, we seem to be so much better off than we are now. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, we're coming off world war two. We had some confidence in the government. Um, we, we actually had a small government in, in comparison to what we have now. And yeah, we certainly had civil rights issues and, and, and we worked to settle those. Uh, and I think we were, largely successful um yeah it was it was a better time i'm sorry this uh this is not my favorite time and i god i just you know i worry about my my grandkids i mean jesus but what a what a time to grow up in in this country when and i don't understand i still don't understand it uh, to this point i understand why you take uh something that is as good as this country and just tear it apart and trash it uh, and, and want to throw it away and do something different. I don't get that. Well, I, I, I think the argument is that you only think it's good because you're white. Yeah, I'm sure that's the argument. I mean, hell, it's every other argument. I mean, when you when you come at it from a position of privilege, what you're upset about is not that the country is changing or getting worse, but that it is just getting different, and part of that difference is you're losing your privilege. No, it's it's a very uncivil country now. It is uh, it is a country that seems to have lost its way. Uh, it can't do anything big anymore uh, for whatever reason. Uh, government is way too big. Government is way too intrusive. A government screws up more than it fixes. Uh, so no, uh, I don't buy that crap at all. What I what I see right now is a, a concerted effort by a very noisy minority to change the entire direction and face of this country to the, for the worse. And, and to take it towards an ideology that has been discredited for over a century uh, and has killed 100 million people. Well, you know, whenever you bring that up, you always get the argument, well, it was the wrong people who were in charge, or they did it wrong, or mm. it wasn't real communism or real socialism. Yeah, those are the same people that argue that the Democrats suddenly became Republicans in the South. Yeah, exactly. Although, to be fair, Strom Thurmond did. <laughs> the one and only. I mean, it's, you know, that's absurd. Uh, that's an absurd argument. Uh, and, and there's, God, there's uh, more literature than you shake a stick at, you can fill a room with that tells you why, but apparently no one reads that. They just hear the little, you know, back of the envelope, uh, uh, version that says, oh, if we do this, everything will be wonderful. 
And it's, uh, you know, again, it goes back, Dale, to what you, you and I talk about over and over and over again, is the left is absolutely has no clue about human nature, none. And, and so it, 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 you know, consistently goes against human nature with these little utopian ideas that would never, will never, have never worked. You know, we had a disappointing unemployment report this morning. More than disappointing. <laughs> Large, well, uh, okay, well, I, uh, I, I won't, I, I, I will uh, not uh, characterize the exact level of disappointment which it may have engendered, but the one of the, the points being, and it's a point that uh, certainly people on the left have tried to poo-poo, uh, which is that, well, look, as long as you're paying people more money to stay at home than to go to a job, they're probably going to pick staying at home. Look, when you can take a 60-hour week at $15 an hour, make $600, and stay home and make 660 what are you going to do? Yeah, it, 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 it's not a... That's not even close. Uh, yeah, it's that human nature thing again. Yeah, so guess what? People would prefer to make the... If given a choice between making in amount of money and working and making the same amount of money and not working... Actually, you, N plus. Yeah, N plus. What do you think people are going to do? Yeah, they're going to take N plus every time. And so, no no employment. You know, it's... it's uh, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that I've been reading that just drives me nuts. The, the this coming out of a deep recession. I'm hearing I'm hearing this stuff all over. We're not coming out of a deep recession. We're coming out of a recession that an imposed recession. And those type recessions are usually V-shaped. They're not this big long bottom U-shape like you know we saw before. They're V-shaped because this has been imposed. The lockdown has closed businesses, et cetera, et cetera. It's not because of economics. It's because of disease. Consequently, it's not going to be. Uh, you know, it's not a deep recession. It's not going to be a long climb out. But you have to give people a reason to go back to work. Or give people a reason not to go back to work so that they can maintain their dependence. Yep, and they got that right now. You know, and then, of course, we'll need to have taxes raised because, you know, so many people need assistance. God, tell me what the government can't screw up. There is, there is nothing the government can't screw up. <laughs> I mean, if, if the one thing that people haven't figured out out of this is how inept government is, how it has no clue uh, uh, about how it should proceed on things like this, and what it does is usually wrong. And this is wrong. It was wrong when they decided to do it. It's wrong now. And, and uh, the other thing I got, you know, uh, and I found interesting this week is, a judge, federal judge vacated the, uh, uh, the uh, what was it, the rental thing. Um, anyway, th where, you know, you couldn't uh, foreclose or you couldn't uh, evict. That's the word I've been struggling for. You couldn't evict anyone. So, so who put this out? The CDC? Where in the hell does the CDC get off saying, la telling landlords they can't evict someone who doesn't pay their rent? 
Yeah, and that's uh, what this federal judge said. Yeah, of, of all of the agencies that might have something to say about paying rent yeah, uh, and about property and home ownership, CDC not the top of the list in that group. God, not even bottom of the list. The CDC has absolutely no authority whatsoever to do that. Yet, for how long did we go on before this guy vacated it? Uh, months. Yes. It's, That's ridiculous. It's been months. And, you know, landlords, uh, you know, incapable of collecting rent, incapable of, of evicting anyone. Um, and, and look, if people have lost their jobs because of, of their business being shut down for COVID and, and so, you know, they, they don't have a place to work. OK, I get it. And I get that it's cruel and heartless to be tossing them out of doors. Um, but, you know, fine, if you're going to tell us that we have to shut down the economy and see, here's the thing. If the government is going to tell you, you have to shut down the economy, and I'm going to lose my job because of that, well, then it's kind of the government's responsibility to ensure that I am made whole, that I am not harmed by that, because otherwise it just amounts to an unconstitutional taking of my property. Well, that was the point of the uh, of the increased uh, uh, benefits for um, um, unemployment. The fact is that you weren't unemployed by the economy, you were unemployed by the government. So the government had some reason uh, to make sure that you had enough to live on. Got that. Okay, that's over. That means you can say now, government, okay, it's over. It's time to get back to work. We're not paying that anymore. But they won't. Yeah, it's it's never over. Yeah. It, it just becomes the new normal. And, and I that's think absurd. The, and I think the other thing that gets me is that there is no accountability for making wrong decisions or wrong predictions or whatever. You know, I think back to what it's, it's been, you know, over a month now when Texas reopened and all of the right people were telling us that this was basically just Greg Abbott murdering Texans who were going to die, uh, if not in the millions, at least in the thousands due to reopening the state. And what we have seen, of course, since reopening is just a steady and now predictable decline in both COVID hospitalizations and deaths, almost as if the uh, the 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 shutdown was not the primary cause of fixing whatever the COVID problem was in Texas. It's almost as if um, you could basically, by you know, being responsible personally, uh, largely forego the possibility of getting COVID. Well, yeah, I put a I put a chart up. Justin Hart is somebody I've been following and, and has done a solid job on on all this COVID pandemic with with statistics and et cetera. And he put a chart up. Uh, you you remember when all oh, what's his name, uh, the Pander in Chief, um, called uh, dropping mask mandates foolish and Neanderthal thinking? Yeah. Well, he put up. It was Iowa and North Dakota that dropped their mask mandates. He he called them uh, Neanderthals. So, and Minnesota, of course, enlightened Minnesota, kept their mask mandate. Guess who now has the second highest case rate in the nation? Well, it ain't Iowa and it ain't freaking North Dakota. It's good old Minnesota. Uh, North Dakota and Iowa are way below it in the number of uh, cases per day. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, the, you know, one the one thing, if you haven't figured out that there, <laughs> how much smoke has been blown at you this year about COVID, um, you know, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, we, we have had, uh, literally, we have had 
uh, enough information thrown at us that has been contradictory or totally contradicted what was said the time before for anyone to realize these fools don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're saying and basically they're and at some point you realize basically they're going to say whatever they have to say to keep you locked down well i think it goes uh i think it's even more fundamental than that i i think it is the Complete inability to shoulder any sort of political risk means that it is always politically easier and, you know, inures you from being called a murderer if you lock people down. It gives you the control that you want, and then you can say, well, we did everything that we were supposed to do, and if things went bad, there must it must just be bad luck because we did the right thing. And so nobody wants to take any risks. Nobody wants to give any advice. And you can look at this at Anthony, uh, Anthony Fauci, who at the very beginning of this thing, when people started to get worried and said, hey, maybe we should get masks. Well, if you let everybody get masks, that means that there's going to be a huge shortage of masks for first responders and health care. So what does he do? He comes out and just lies and says, no, a, a mask, there, there is no need for masks within 100 miles of the this, this city. Um <laughs> And so, okay, I guess we don't need masks. He must know what he's talking about. No, he doesn't. He's lying to you. And then yeah, six weeks not- later, comes out and admits, oh, yeah, that was a lie. Uh, but I told it because, you know, we didn't need to have a, a run on masks. But now you should all wear masks. Now that we have yeah, ours, because now you should these, all wear masks. Because these people are more important than you people. Yeah, and if he and we said, get to decide that. And if he just said everybody does need to wear a mask, it is the best way to protect yourself. It would have led directly to a shortage, which would have been led you know, back to him because he told people to wear masks. So it was easier just to say no, don't wear a mask, until he was you know confident that there were enough that there wouldn't be a shortage among medical personnel. Then he said, yeah, get every yeah. Now you can wear a mask. Yeah. How so many he people caught? Your, he risked he risked everybody's life because he wanted certain people to have it. Yeah, exactly. And now we're, he's the guy that we're trusting. And look, he's yeah. at this point, he has run that agency like his own personal dog kennel since 19, what, 84 or something. Uh, he's been there forever. And, you know, the, apparently it's impossible to get him out even when he lies to the American people. Um, well, he's also, did you know he is also the highest paid federal employee of any, all of them, to include the president? Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he is. But then and this is what you this is what you get for your money. But then they wonder why there's no why so many people don't trust what the government says. Why don't you trust the science? Well, you know, it, it, it's not a case of trusting the science. It's a case of trusting you know you, your lion mouth uh, as opposed to whatever the science may be. And I don't know what the science is. And you know why? Because I can't get access to any information, no matter where I go, social media or wherever, uh, because there's only one allowable uh, opinion that can be allowed. So take something like ivermectin, uh, a medicine that has been approved in many places in Central and South America. Um, They've approved it in uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, There are a number of studies, and I understand the science isn't perfectly clear on this, but there are a number of studies that show that it is a helpful treatment for COVID, even though we have not identified a mechanism for why that might be yet. And uh, anyone who says, hey, I'd like to give my patients ivermectin, hospitals are firing them. Nope, sorry, not an approved treatment. You can't do it. 
And if you yep. say, if you go on Facebook and say, well, hey, ivermectin in some studies appears to work, they will shut you down. They will cancel you. So we can't even have a debate about treatments. We can't have a debate about anything because anything I say that deviates from whatever the CDC specifically says um, is now considered, you know, vaccine misinformation. And look, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of vaccine misinformation going on right now. I mean, right now the anti-vaxxers are talking about people who get COVID are now shedding spike proteins and affecting everyone around them. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, I you know, and and identify a biological mechanism that would make that even theoretically possible. Thanks. Well, it, you know, like you said, there's a lot of uh, a lot of crap out there, and and a lot of people because you can't get reliable information are are willing to buy into just about everything. You know, I mean, it's just it, it's phenomenal to me. I. I <laughs> You know, and, and the other thing that's funny is watching the people on the left go after anti-vaxxers who are answering them with my body, my choice. I think that's hilarious and well-deserved and a well-deserved comeback, frankly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not big on the anti-vax train, but nevertheless. No, I'm not on the anti-vax train at all. But, but you know, nevertheless, I, I, philosophically, I it's a telling point. Yes, it is. It is exactly that. And I mean, I have to laugh because it pretty much shuts them down. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. There were a couple of uh, schools out here in California that just said your child um, is not going to come back to school unless you can, you know, we're going to require uh, COVID vaccinations. And apparently somebody who had at least some smattering of federal law said, oh, yeah, how'd you like to end up in federal court by ordering me to get a vaccine that is only authorized for emergency use and has not been formally approved? Um, federal law says you can't mandate it. And by the way, I can have medical or religious exemptions from it. And so they had to back off of that. And now they have to actually, uh, you know, abide by federal law. But they were perfectly willing just to force you, okay, you want to go here, you have to get the vaccine. And, uh, you know, they just assume obedience. Yeah, well, that's right. We said you had to, you have to have it, and you have to have it. Uh, Jesus, I mean, this, what a mess. What what a what a dismal mess uh, this whole thing's been, and we've actually done better in other countries. And you, you know, yeah, that is that is true. Our percentage of people who are vaccinated, I mean, we are now uh, well above one hundred and fifty million um, who've been vaccinated, and other countries are just doing. Canada, our our neighbor next to the north, with their you know paradisical. Uh, uh, socialized medicine and the whole nine yards are doing an awful job. The The Trudeau government has fumbled this from day one. Yeah, I'm amazed that guy's still there, you know, still the, 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 the prime minister. But, uh, hey, it's Canada. So what the hell? Yeah, you know, that's how parliamentary systems run. Yep. You know, if everybody votes for your party, you get to be prime minister. That's just... Or you can put a coalition together, you get to be prime minister. Yeah. I, I suspect that if prime minister was in and of itself an elective office, um, in a Justin national election, digging... I don't think Justin Trudeau would be elected. Yeah, Justin would be digging tater somewhere. 
And look, his party still runs the country largely, so why get rid of him? Speaking like, you know, running like a dog kennel. I mean, yeah. Lord, help me. By the way, speaking of, well, it's not the Liberal Party, it's it's Labor Party. Um, there was a, waxed. A, a, <laughs> a by-election in Hartlepool that Labor has held since 1974 when the constituency was created went conservative yesterday. Yeah. I saw that they got the the labor got waxed. I mean that was uh, yeah. It's the, but it's the pendulum swings again. You know we've seen this how many times in elections where people are just pissed off enough to to uh, flip it, change it. Let's do something different. And I think that's what's happened in England, especially with all the lockdowns they've had and that type of thing. They're ready to move on. They're ready to open back up. And they're going to go with whoever promises they'll do that. And that's what the, the Tories have done. Yeah. I mean, you know, say what you will about Boris Johnson, who is, by any estimation, an interesting character. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty <laughs> nicely, yes. <laughs> The fact is, he delivered on the two things that, over the past year and a, or the past year anyway, that the Conservative Party said that they would do. He delivered Brexit, and he has done a reasonable job of getting everyone vaccinated and getting the country back on its feet. Yeah, and I think, like most countries, uh, it's ready to get back on its feet. It's it's done with this. It's the, done with all this nonsense. One of our listeners, Captain Vimes, said, Labor tried hating Jews, and now they're all out of ideas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, but back, I wanted to go back to that job, jobs report. It, it, slightly less is really an understatement. The, the target, uh, estimated target, uh, jobs that would have been created was 1.3 million. You know, 1.3 million, not 220,000. So, as as some you saw that picture of Biden and and uh, uh, his wife with the Carters. Yes. Okay. Well, somebody took took half of that with Biden with his arm around uh, uh, Mrs. Carter, and it put down. <laughs> it put on uh, uh, Joe Biden. It, you know, expected jobs put on Ms. Carter, <laughs> realized jobs. It was perfect. Yeah, and of course, it Joe Biden. Joe Biden's response was, "Well, you know, it's going to be a long slog because I've, I have, as Democrats always say, they have. I've inherited yes. the worst economy since World War II. Yes, or since yes, the Great yes. Depression. That, that, when I when I saw that today, where they got two hundred sixty six thousand jobs, and I put I, I put tweet up and i put and the blame the previous administration game begins in three two yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it probably beat me to it you know but yeah what a surprise and again you you have to understand what kind of a, you know what kind of a recession and i'm using air quotes here this was this was a government made recession uh because it shut everything down and so there were no economic reasons once they opened it back up for it to stay that way, except lack of incentive to go to work. Ah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm getting paid. I'm fine. Yeah. Why go get a job? I mean, 
I, I was reading someone today said, can't tell you how many times I, here recently I've been in a restaurant when they have two waiters. That's it for this, the whole place. And they're going nuts because people won't come back to work. They're short in the kitchen. Uh, they have a limited menu. You know, it's, um, hmm. why would a waiter or a waitress come back to work when they're getting paid more than they would make in a week? Yeah, no reason to. And so, exactly. you know, what <laughs> The beatings will continue until morale improves. I guess. And so we're going to have a a slow recovery. Although you know, at at, at this point, I'm I'm almost afraid of recovery, uh, as I am of what we've been going through. Now that we have spent so much money, we're now twenty seven trillion in debt. I got people like Warren Buffett and uh, several other people on the Wall Street side who are now frightening me with stories of the coming hyperinflation yeah i don't know about hyper but i think we'll we'll, we'll definitely see inflation even though uh, our our fed chairman says nah, nah, nah. i mean where the hell has she been yeah well honestly ever since paul volcker i'm not super impressed by the fed chairman yeah i have to agree with that you know, at least when Paul Volcker said he was going to do something about inflation, he did it. Um, and everybody else has been, you know, just a cheerleader for you know, trying to keep inflation down uh, in response to spending money like a drunken sailor. And honestly, with the amount of money that we've spent over the past 30 years, I'm I'm surprised inflation hasn't been stronger. And, I agree with you. And the only reason I can think of is because of the dollar's position as the world reserve currency and and we've about and you and i've talked about this before and we've about played that out i mean at some point if some uh, you know if if that changes uh, we are in horribly deep trouble yeah because all that money that's floating around in the world has to come back somewhere and um it'll come back here and what are yeah. we going to do with it <laughs> Same thing Venezuelans do with it, wipe our butts. Yeah, because that, that'll be all that it's worth. Yeah. Now, use it to use it as kindling. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, boy, I'd, I'd sure hate to see that, but uh, it is the one thing that's frightening me now, the one frightening possibility is that we are going to, uh, is that we're going to end up losing our life savings. Now, Look, for those of us who own houses, uh, okay, at least I have a hard asset, right? So if inflation yeah. goes up, and look, I have a house that I refinanced on a 15 several years ago um, where, you know, like a 2%, 2.5% interest rate. So, you know, if we do have hyperinflation, I'll get to pay this pl place off for the cost of a nice hat. But um, now it's an <laughs> asset and I have to sell it. And, but then, you know, to, to get money, I'd have to sell the asset. And I'd get a lot of money, but it, it wouldn't be worth a whole bunch. It wouldn't be worth a whole bunch. You know, it reminds yeah, because me of the you old... sure so can buy a house. Yeah, I was going to say you can buy a house like it on the other side. It reminds me of the old. Uh, the old Saturday Night Light, uh, Saturday Night Live skit where uh, Danny Aykroyd was doing Jimmy Carter, and um, Jimmy Carter had, had had done this inflation deal that everybody had said was just laughable, and so 
as a joke. This was back when Saturday Night Live made fun of Democrats. Um, Dan Aykroyd came up and said, Tonight, I'd like us to look at inflation in a new and totally different way. Inflation is our friend. (laughs) (laughs) And then he started talking about how wouldn't you like to wear $700 suits and smoke $300 cigars? I know I would. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you remember Jerry Ford running around with his wind button. Whip inflation inflation now. Yeah. Hell, I remember that. Yeah, well, we may have to whip out those old whip out the wind whip button. out the wind buttons again. I may actually yeah. even have one around here somewhere. <laughs> right, That's amazing. Yeah, but no, I, I I agree that we're headed into you know when you're when you're throwing four four to six trillion dollars around that has no basis in reality, uh, you might expect to see a little inflation. Well, like if your complaint has been that the Fed has, has, with interest rates so low, has lost the ability to stimulate the economy by lowering interest rates because you can't have negative interest rates, well, happily, that will probably no longer be the problem. (laughs) Yep. Now, what I'm waiting for is for some smart fellow to realize that if the yield of the 10-year Treasury jumps back up to uh you know six and a half percent from its current what sub two percent rate uh and it adds an additional eight hundred billion dollars a year just to service the uh, debt uh, the the uh, payments on the national debt the interest on the national debt um and that's just a eight hundred billion dollar increase in the federal budget um I'm interested to see how how we're gonna what we're gonna have to cut. Me too. And you know they're not gonna want to cut anything. You know, life is easy out of a four point three trillion dollar budget when you've only got to pay a hundred and sixty seven, hundred and eighty billion. Well, it's probably up above almost the two hundred now. Um, but the difference between two hundred billion a year and eight or nine hundred billion a year. Or look, my calculations are so old. At twenty-seven trillion, we may actually be above a trillion dollars a year just in service on the national debt. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. At you know, all. So, so much of the debt is financed with short-term paper anyway. Um, if yields go up, boy, the price of servicing that debt is going to increase overnight. But heck, you know, we have a five point three trillion dollar stimulus plan. We've got freaking um, all sorts of $1.2 trillion, uh, yeah, infrastructure plan, $1.2 trillion in stimulus. Well, uh, apparently we have money forever. Okay. I, I, yeah, I guess so. And, and they, I, you know, one of the things about the infrastructure plan is now, apparently, you can, you name it, it's infrastructure. Whatever you want to be in there, it's infrastructure. Um, yeah. Look, the... the <laughs> The Ameri- the last time the American electorate showed any seriousness at all about the deficit or the national debt was in the Bill Clinton administration from 1992 to 2000. That was the only time we even pretended that we were going to do anything about the national debt and pretended we, we had any interest at all in a balanced budget. And for whatever reason, that went away. And as soon as 9-11 hit, well, 
the 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 uh, the scuppers were opened on the spending. And Boy, that's the truth. And it's been open ever since then. We spent, that is the absolute truth. You know, we've spent it's, at this point trillions in uh, uh, a twenty-year-long war in Afghanistan and slightly less time in Iraq. Um, and I, I guess there's just no way to rewind that. Well, you know, I, it, it was arrogance and hubris to think that we could go to, into Afghanistan and change uh, something that hasn't changed since recorded time. Um, it's a tribal society. It's, you know, it's a nation only on a map. Uh, the, the, the president is actually the mayor of Kabul. I mean, why we thought we had to go in there and introduce these savages to democracy is beyond me. And you and I have talked about this. That was a war where you go in, you bomb the shit out of them, and you make them hurt real bad and say, do it again and we'll come back. You do a punitive raid. Nope, we had to go in and nation build. And this is the result. And we've done it how many times now? We have kids serving in Afghanistan now who were not born when 9-11 happened. That's correct. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. And, you know, no matter who you ask, anyone on the Joint Chiefs, anyone in the Pentagon, okay, what are our goals there and how will we know when they're met? Nobody has an answer for you. No. They and never so, have answers. So Joe Biden just saying, you know, unilaterally, we're just going to leave. Well, you know, it, it's real hard for me to criticize Joe for taking that stance. Well, well, Trump had taken the same chance. He's getting them out of there. I mean, it never happened under his watch, but it was planned to happen this year. As a matter of fact, had he been reelected. The, but the point is, uh, you know, this was this was not what we should have gone in there to do. We don't have to go in and occupy a country every time a country does something to us, you know, uh, or is responsible for something being done to us. Uh, I certainly don't think we should, you know, if Iran does something, I don't think we should go and occupy Iran and try and make it a democracy. I think we should bomb the hell out of it and say, do it again and we'll do worse. Yeah, well, that has not been our modus operandi for the past yeah and this is and this is the result and this is the cost yeah so when are we going to learn this lesson when are we going to learn this lesson i don't know there's a lot of lessons that we're going to need to learn jesus you know there's a lot of cultural lessons we're going to need to learn um uh, the the government has and, and several members of congress also pushed it have decided that um, we are very concerned with the rights of birthing people. Oh, Jesus, yes. <laughs> Wait, you mean women? Nope, we can't call them that. We now have to call them birthing people. The, yeah. The, the, the level of insanity. I know, and it's infected Congress, yeah. Yeah, it's just the damnedest thing you've ever seen. I mean, you can't, you sit back and shake your head and go, what planet are these people from? And they have set up a system whereby you cannot, I mean, I suppose you could if you have your own website or whatever, assuming that uh, you're, you're not beholden to anyone for back-end infrastructure who may not like what you have to say and shut you down, like, you know, parlor or whatever. 
Um, but you can't even, you know, discuss these issues without worrying that you're going to be banned on Facebook or banned on Twitter or kicked off of whatever, uh, because these things are just beyond debate now. The number, the, the the amount of things about which we can actually have a public debate in the in 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 a social space has now been so circumscribed. Only one side gets a hearing now. Well, I, I put really a quote weird. up today. I put a quote up today from Vladimir Lenin, and the quote goes, we must be ready to employ trickery, deceit, law-breaking, withholding and concealing truth. We can and must write in a language which sows among the masses hate, revulsion, and scorn towards those who disagree with us. Yep. I mean, that's about as, that's about as today as you can get. And by the way, uh, I forget who it was, but somebody this past week actually pointed that out and said, look, this is all just Marxism. It's just Marxism yes. done. And they're using the same tactics. And of course, the immediate fact check was, well, this is just completely false. But it, it's, not it's not false. That's that's an actual quote that was that was sent out by Lenin. And uh, it, it describes exactly what's happening today. Exactly what's happening today. Speaking of which, as I'm just reminded of pop culture things, that does remind me of the old Monty Python skit. Uh, they were doing like what appeared to be a talk show called Tough Questions. And the guests were uh, Lennon, Marx, and Mao Zedong. And uh, the host has this, you know, this William F. Buckley-esque manner through all the introductions of all these people. And then he turns and says, so my first question is for you, Mr. Ulyanov, or Lennon. In what year did Manchester United last win the FA Cup? <laughs> <laughs> and all the questions were about English football. Uh, it turned out to be a game show. Uh, those yeah, games were brilliant. Yep. But no, the, you know, the, the fact remains what we're going through right now has been gone through uh, by a number of countries. And, and again, because we don't teach this uh, anywhere uh, it's all new they don't recognize it it's not something that they're concerned with they don't realize that they're freaking being duped and 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 it's surprising to me i mean <laughs> i watched you know we all, both watch the internet uh, develop uh, and flower and come to fruition i never thought i'd see it uh, used in the way it's being used, and that is to really shut down debate and shut down information. Wasn't it supposed to open up the entire it was sum supposed of to do the other, human it was supposed knowledge? To do exactly the opposite. Yeah, yeah. And here we are. You put you put certain things up uh, as you would, uh, you know, you would anywhere uh, uh, usually, and it gets shut down. It gets uh, it gets. Uh, this shadow blocked, it gets, you name it. It doesn't show up where it, it should show up. People don't see it. Or at the very least, it gets a warning that says, basically, this is a bunch of bullshit because everybody important says it isn't true. Well, our fact checkers who nobody knows, you know, some some Malaysian kid in, in <laughs> they employ as a fact checker says, yeah, I don't think that's right. I mean, there, there's no credibility to their fact checking. I, I, and and the other thing is the other thing I've noticed about their fact checking is 
it, the algorithm slaps something up there that doesn't apply. It'll say, well, this, this is missing context. Well, not according to the statement I made, it's missing no context. The context is in the statement I made, you know, above the meme or something, but they never see it. They just so, oh, that meme, missing context, blap, you know? Yeah, and that's, uh, a, that's a problem I don't know how to fix. Well, I don't either. You know, look, a lot of these things are just cultural problems. There's just no way that, that any sort of government action could fix them. You know, and we've talked a lot about, you know, Section 230 protections for these companies and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's such an attractive idea until you realize, well, now you're you're actually saying, I want the government to be in charge of the fact. Yeah, and I don't. And and and, and, so, and so I I agree with you, Dale. I, you know, I know where you're headed with this, and I, I absolutely agree with you. I don't want the government involved in anything more. Nothing. Go away. Do something else. No. In fact, I would argue that most of our large-scale problems in this country uh, derive directly from the fact that the government is so large and so intrusive and has so much individual power or has so much power over the individual's life. That was not how any of this was supposed to work in this country. And, it was never imagined this way. That's right. And the more powerful the government gets, the worse the worse things get, the less free we become. You know, it's interesting. They have that freedom index, and I forget who puts it out. Uh, but every year they you know put out the you know the freedom mm-hmm. index, the list of the freest economies in the world. And watching the US's steady decline in that since nineteen ninety two has been most instructive and worrying. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And and it, it's funny, the decline has gotten steeper and steeper as government has increased, almost proportionally. And the, the funny thing about that is that the countries that are the so-called socialist countries, like Sweden or Denmark, um, they have a much freer economy by almost any measure than the United States. Yes. But, of course, they're quick to point out that they are not, in fact, socialist countries. Right. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the point. Uh, that Freedom Index in and of itself makes that point. I, I uh, thought, it's BS. <laughs> during, during the presidential campaign, um, I believe it was the, the Danish ambassador to the United States, whenever Bernie Sanders was talking about, you know, we need socialism like Denmark, who actually had to come out publicly and say, Denmark is not a socialist country. God. And they still don't believe that. That's the thing that just, you know, it just doesn't matter. This is, they're, they just don't pay any attention to actual information, even when it's given by the Danish ambassador, for God's sake. <laughs> we have a free market economy. Yeah, we have high taxes and an extensive social welfare net. But the state doesn't own shit. God. But, you know, this is, this is the direction we've been heading in. And look, as far as I can tell, most people are happy with it. Yeah, well, I don't think most people have really been caught up in it yet. And, um, you know, I think this COVID thing is probably as close as we've ever gotten uh, a lot of people got ever gotten to the power of government and and, and the fact that how, how much it affects their lives. And we'll see. I mean, I, honest to God, we'll see. I don't know. 
Well, we'll yeah, we'll see. But I tell you what, thirty or forty years ago, I think that uh, that uh, Cuomo would have been run out of New York like some kind of poison troll. Well, he should have if been he pulled this stuff. I he should have been. Yeah, not going to happen apparently. Guess not. He's in it for the long haul, you see. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and so there was a story. Yeah. There was a story I saw just today that they still have something like 750 bodies in refrigerated trucks that have just been sitting in those trucks for months. God. From all the people that have have, have died there of COVID. And, um, you know, he just gets to skate through allegations of sexual well, harassment, of murdering the elderly, and eh, it's fine. He's just, pulled a, he's just pulled a Northam on it. You know, that Northam set that that up he just said yeah i'm not going anywhere uh and the uh, and then the uh lieutenant governor of virginia said the same thing uh so that, that essentially killed the me too movement you know i mean it doesn't mean anything yeah well it means absolutely nothing and so well it doesn't to democrats anyway no, because they're the, more. The Republicans still runs. The Republicans still run square, scared, and, and and all that nonsense. But for the most part, it doesn't mean anything. Well, you know, it's interesting looking at what's going on in the Republican Party. You know, we just had this uh, big kerfluffle with uh, Liz Cheney. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious what you think about that. Ah, God, you know, I don't know, Dale. I, I think it's uh, it's the Republicans being Republicans. It's just they're stupid. And, and so they would rather do infighting like this uh, and, and, and <clears throat> you know, uh, purge the party. It's kind of like libertarians. You know, you're not libertarian enough. I'm not libertarian enough. So we're not really libertarians. Well, Liz Cheney didn't uh, doesn't bow to the, the cult of Trump. Uh, actually voted to impeach the guy for whatever reason, and that's enough to run her out of the party, or at least have a leadership role. She basically is being run out of the party. Um, you know, okay. Like I said, that's Republicans being Republicans. Dumber than shit. And of all the people to put in, Elise Stefanik. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, oddly enough, if you actually look at their voting record and, you know, how they yeah. vote. Yeah. Liz Cheney has a better pro-Trump voting record. Than, By a bunch. Not even close. And at least Stefanik has. And now yeah, at least Stefanik at least Stefanik has something like fifty percent. Whereas uh Liz uh, uh, Cheney has ninety percent votes. I mean it's 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 a phenomenal difference. Yet uh, at least Stefanik has has uh, mouthed the Trump line. And the and Trump has uh, decided that he's her girl, you know. So uh, that's all that matters. Trump is very Nixonian in that he values personal loyalty above all else. Right, and you know, I'm sorry, I, I am, I have a real problem with the cult of persona personality, and that's what Donald Trump cultivates, and I think that is as dangerous as hell. And far too many uh, Republicans. In Far too many Republicans have fallen for it. And well, I think I think far I think a number of Republicans have fallen for it, but I think a, a number, as usual, the spineless Republicans are feigning that because they know Donald Trump has power. 
And so they're not going to go against that power. They're going to at least pretend like uh, they're with the with the Trump, you know, the Trump folks. But uh, whether they are or not, it's a whole different ballgame. I think it'd be hilarious. I, I think it, it, it will be hilarious if in the next election, the voters of her state return Liz Cheney to the House. I don't think they will. And mostly yeah, it's a, because it's a pretty Trumpy she, state, actually. Yeah. Well, not only that, they were I mean, she was condemned by the Wyoming Republican uh, Party. I mean, she has taken crap from everybody. Uh, so I frankly will be surprised if well she'll be primaried and and i i would be frankly be surprised if she won uh but hell i'm not big on legacy political people anyway so yeah i mean i I wouldn't bother me if someone named cheney didn't win an election right just the same as anyone named clinton bush or kennedy yes Absolutely. Which, by the way, speaking of the speaking of the Kennedys, when did Joe Kennedy Jr. become a huge anti-vaxer? Oh, he's been that way for a while. I mean, I don't follow the Kennedys regularly, but I mean, oh, he's spoken out many times before. Yeah, he's um, he's definitely an anti-vaxer. Well, you know, um, uh, one of the. Uh, uh, Captain Vimes writes, with the Democrats becoming the party of the wealthy elites, the GOP has a real opportunity to pick up disaffected working class and middle class voters who hate the nutball policies of the hard left. The GOP leadership won't capitalize on it, though. That is true. I was going to say, I was going to say, you do know you're talking about the GOP, right? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> However, it also <laughs> brings to mind, um, we were talking about the, uh, the, the by-election in Hartlepool and how labor just got trumped by the conservatives there. Um, one of the uh, one of the reps for labor was on the BBC and he said something about, you know, labor is the party of the working people. And they got the BBC. They said, Excuse me. I need to stop you there. But it appears that labor is the party of graduates who live in London and city suburbs. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> describes the Democratic Party and and, and uh, uh, the college grads up in the northeast. I mean. Yeah, I mean, the the parallels are quite striking. And Joe Biden loves to pull that, you know, the Democrat Party is the friend of labor stuff. Well, Joe, that may have been true, you know, 50 years ago when you first went into the Senate, but this isn't the same party that existed back then. Yeah, and not only are you not a friend, you're not a friend of the working uh, man, you certainly are a friend of the union bosses. And the working man has figured that little tricky game out a long time ago. Uh, and and they demonstrated that when they no longer had to pay dues and 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 uh, go into a union and they were given that choice they dropped it like a hot rock. Or so you, that doesn't that doesn't you know sell anymore. Or you see things like in uh, what Alabama last month and uh, last year in South Carolina, whenever union votes were being held and unions lost big time among all of the workers. Well, and it's if you think about it, um, <laughs> there's enough information out there now to know whether you're getting a fair wage, you're being treated uh, properly, if you have uh, good benefits, if you know. And most companies are smart enough to realize uh, that you know to get you to get skilled labor to get good labor, they're going to have to pay these things. All the union ads in there is aggravation and cost. Uh, 
you know, and, and that's what people have finally figured out. Your day is done, just like Joe Biden's. Your day is done. It's gone. You served your purpose. When you, when you were viable and important, you did the job that was necessary to happen, but it isn't necessary anymore, and workers know that. By the way, Joe Biden's day is done generally around 9.35. <laughs> Putting a lid on. A.M. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But no, it's... Uh, this. I think the other thing that has struck me this year on both sides is how out of touch our political class is. You know, we talked about, and we've been talking about this since 2016, Donald Trump is not the cause of anything. No, he's the result. Donald Trump is a symptom of a disaffection with a political class that has proven itself to be largely impotent at handling anything. And, and incompetent. Yeah, and incompetent. And, you know, at, at some point you just lose confidence in the political leadership of your country. And I think we're long past that point. And if you think Donald Trump was bad, where do you see who replaces him? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, that frightens me. If your entire political class is, well, look, I, I, I was listening to uh, Brett Weinstein or Weinstein uh, and his wife, Heather Hang, talking about sort of how corrupt and how deeply corrupt the the political class is in this country. I mean, when you can move from Pfizer to the head of the FDA back to Pfizer, mm. there's a problem somewhere. And that's not just in in you know the you know Department of Health and Human Services. Look at how many Goldman Sachs executives have rotated back and forth between Goldman Sachs and the Department of the Treasury. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about how our government has largely been captured by the same people that they're supposed to be regulating. Um, you don't have to look any further than the Department of the Treasury. And that sort of rot goes throughout the entire political system that we've created. And the latest example that came out was the teachers union, union helping the CDC write the back-to-school rules. Yep, that's correct. And uh, they were talking about the CDC had said something about how, you know, parents and uh, teachers are getting equal, um, you know, e equal representation, equal access. No, they weren't because we now have the email where we're setting up meetings between CDC executives and the heads of teachers unions for private conversations. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, you know, that's another lie you've been told. Uh, and, and it's also the reason why your children are back in school, because the teachers union has decided that it's just not a good idea. And since the teachers union has decided that, well, you don't really have a choice or a voice. Hmm. I wonder what would happen if you just said, you know, we're not going to pay teachers unless they go back into the classroom. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen because we have Joe Biden as president. <laughs> Yeah, that's although, you know, to be fair, Joe Biden doesn't control state education departments. Well, although that's true. largely the teachers unions do. Yeah, exactly. And look, and so I a, a lot of this, though, you know, I, I always hate to it's so much fun to talk about how awful the government is. But let's talk about how awful the electorate is. The American people refuse to make serious choices. 
Um, yeah. People refuse to run for school board. They refuse to run for local offices. The people that run for it are the people who want to control your lives. And normal people who have no real interest in controlling your life don't see any reason why they should give up their time and effort in some part-time job on a school board or as a, you know, a little town board of supervisors or what have you. Um, and so we basically ceded our entire system to a what has essentially become a professional political class. Although there was a little rebellion in Texas uh, uh, on a school board who was, people were violently against, not violently, the people were very much against the uh, teaching of critical race theory. They were, and a bunch they were of them, democratically but, against it. Let's put it that way. Yes. Okay. And a bunch of them ran uh, for the school board and won. And guess what won't be taught in that school district? So maybe it's something like that that has to be, uh, you know, they have to have uh, some motivation like that. But it's the old frog in boiling water uh, or warm water that becomes boiling water. Otherwise, uh, we don't do it. Uh, we think uh, and, and trust way too much the people who do do it. And we get in a mess like this. Yeah, because we don't want to deal with it. And so, right. yeah, somebody else wants to let them deal with it. They probably know more yeah. about it than I do, too. Yeah, they do know more about it. And they're also way more um, fanatical about it than you are. That's the problem. Um, but, you know, it, it, my estimation of the American character closely resembles that of Winston Churchill. You can always count on the Americans to do the right thing when all other avenues have been exhausted. Yeah. And this thing in Dallas is is an example of that. Parents, you know, let that school board just sort of run wild for years. And then finally something popped up that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And they were like, no, 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 no. Now we're going to run this thing. And lo and behold, they are. Yeah. And that's what it that's kind of what it takes. That's kind of what it takes, unfortunately. And maybe that's what it will take over time to win back all the way up through the federal government, normal people just have to start getting involved again. I, I'm constantly shocked in you know private conversations I have just about issues that I know about and that I you know assume have been fairly widely publicized on the news that I would assume anyone who is reasonably well-read would know about, where I mention something and I'm just given this this dead silence on the phone or this blank stare, uh, in a, a Zoom call or whatever, and it's clear to me that they have no earthly idea what's going on. Yep. There's still a lot of people who just aren't paying attention to, you know, anything. And look, I get it. People have lives, but, you know, we're, we're getting past the point where just ignoring the government and letting it go on, a, a reasonable strategy in, say, 1904 not a very reasonable strategy in 2021. Yeah, and and uh, it's it's one of the reasons it's so important to bring this, continue to bring this up uh, to the attention of people. I mean, if you re if you read that quote by Lenin and look around, you go, "Wow, that's exactly what's going on here right now." My God, you know, this is this is Marxist suppression. And you may not like it, and you may not want to believe it, and you may go, oh, geez, you know, come on, you know, everything's Marxism. No, Marxism is Marxism, and that's what we're talking about. You know, the, the weird thing about it is sort of the, in the American mind, the conception has always been 
that totalitarianism in this country would sort of hit us like uh, the the George Orwell model from 1984, right? And that uh, it would just be you know the the communism that we see and understand, and it would be imposed on us from the top down by the government. As it turns out, George Orwell appears to have been completely wrong. It's it's Aldous Huxley who was right with Brave New World. The way we control people is with bread and circuses and make everything that isn't bread and circuses just be something that nobody wants to deal with. And yeah. apparently Aldous Huxley was a better foreseer of what the future looked like than, uh, than uh, George Orwell. Yeah, but they both end up in the same place, don't they? Yeah, no, no matter which option you choose, it's always a, a boot on a human neck forever and ever. Yep. It's just a it's it's just a peculiarly pleasant and hedonistic version of the boot. A Dolce and Gabbana boot, if you will, rather than a jack boot. <laughs> One you can't afford whatever it is. Exactly. Well, Bruce, have a great week. We will talk you to you too. next week. All right, bud. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 7th of May, 2021. On behalf of Bruce McQueen, this is Dale Frank saying thanks for listening. We appreciate the fact that you do and hope you'll be listening again soon. In the interim, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. So long.